0: a damning portrait of Trump. That's what the CNN headline reads this morning if you go to their website. Um, it's kind of funny the, the way that some of these networks have described the first public day of impeachment hearings on Capitol Hill. They, they write, Using as their first public witness two conscientious apolitical Democrat diplomats Democrats built a foundation for a case that Trump abused his power. A political dip- diplomats. I-, I didn't realize that people at the State Department were immune from being were um, being immune from from being considered political in any sense, that they can't have their own political agenda. But that's it- it's it's kind of a weird place. Where people, for some reason, Democrats consider if you work for the government, that must mean if you're not elected that you have no political opinions of your own. We'll see if that's true later on today's show. Good morning, everybody. My name is Ben Dietrich. You're listening to American View here on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM, where Hillsdale meets the nation. We're coming to you live from our studios in Hillsdale, Michigan. Um, We are so glad to be with you here. It's Thursday morning, November 14th. Still too cold out there, but we will bear with it. So, yeah, yesterday they had the first day of public impeachment hearings. And, man, it ran exactly, you know, as Adam Schiff had planned it, um, except there was nothing really new that, that came of it. Uh, and there wasn't a whole lot for people to report on other than basically the same old, same old. The Republicans say one thing, and they're wrong, and the Democrats... You know, lay out their case, and of course they're right, and Trump's going to get impeached. I mean, I did a, a fair reading this morning of the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, all the liberal channels, and it's it's kind of funny. Um, you know, the New York Times ran an editorial on the editorial page saying, uh, what did Americans learn from the first day of opening open hearings in the impeachment inquiry? They learned damaging new information about another witness who reportedly overheard a telephone conversation in which Trump pressed to find out if the Ukrainians had committed to investigating his top political rival. So there's a couple of problems with this. First, they never go on to, to list what this new information is about the call. Um, they had a diplomat go on the stage basically or on the hearing chair and basically say, oh, I, I, I uh, you know, President Trump, I t- believed, was only concerned with, you know, getting Hunter Biden. So you have a, a state, you know, a, a member of the State Department who is stationed in Ukraine say this, you know, they don't consider for a second that, you, first, this is this guy's opinion. I don't know why one more person saying this is what he thought of the events um, really matters. You know, I, it goes back to this idea, and I, I remember from my time in Vienna, you know, you just, there's no doubt in my mind, no doubt, that members of the State Department, like, A lot of other Americans have opinions. And, and, you know, yesterday, the Democrats hand-selected their star witnesses from hearings that they had already heard these people, mind you. They had heard them with the doors closed. Um, And and when they did these closed-door hearings, because they couldn't have, you know, potential, any any people speaking that could damage their case. So they they selectively leaked the parts of the hearings they wanted you to hear. And then just, you know, the rest was closed-door, top secret. We don't want to get that out. And that's kind of what yesterday kind of seems like. Um, I struggle to understand how they think that the American people are going to take serious a hearing, you know, an impeachment inquiry when it's just so one-sided. Now, what am I talking about? We're going to explain all that to you here on American View today. We're going to listen to the opening statements by Representative Adam Schiff, as well as Representative Devin Nunes. You're going to be able to hear what both of them had to say. Um, about this impeachment inquiry. And we're going to break those down for you. Um, so we're going to start there. Let's start with Devin Nunes. And uh, we're going to start first what he what he started his, his opening statement with. We'll talk about that. And then we will look at the end of what he had to say as well.
1: Thanks, Joan. In a July open hearing of this committee following publication of the Mueller report, the Democrats engaged in a last-ditch effort to convince the American people that President Trump is a Russian agent. That hearing was the pitiful finale of a three-year-long operation by the Democrats, the corrupt media, and partisan bureaucrats to overturn the results of the 2016 election. After the spectacular implosion of their Russia hoax on July 24th, in which they spent years denouncing any Republican who ever shook hands with a Russian. On July 25th, they turned on a dime and now claim the real malfeasance is Republicans' dealings with Ukraine. In the blink of an eye, we're asked to simply forget about Democrats on this committee, falsely claiming they had more than circumstantial evidence of collusion between President Trump and Russians. We should forget about them reading fabrications of Trump-Russia collusion from the Steele dossier into the congressional record. We should also forget about them trying to obtain nude pictures of Trump from Russian pranksters who pretended to be Ukrainian officials. We should forget about them leaking a false story to CNN while he was still testifying to our committee claiming that Donald Trump Jr., was colluding with WikiLeaks, and forget about countless other deceptions, large and small, that make them the last people on earth with the credibility to hurl more preposterous accusations at their political opponents. And yet now, here we are. We're supposed to take these people at face value when they trot out a new batch of allegations, But anyone familiar with the Democrats' scorched earth war against President Trump would not be surprised to see all the typical signs that this is a carefully orchestrated media smear campaign. For example, after vowing publicly that impeachment requires bipartisan support, Democrats are pushing impeachment forward without the backing of a single Republican. The witnesses deemed suitable for television by the Democrats were put through a closed-door audition process and a cult-like atmosphere in the basement of the Capitol where Democrats conducted secret depositions, released a flood of misleading and one-sided leaks, and later selectively released transcripts in a highly staged manner. Violating their own guidelines, Democrats repeatedly redacted from the transcripts the name of Alexander Chalupa, a contractor for the Democratic National Committee, who worked with Ukrainian officials to collect dirt on the Trump campaign, which she provided to the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign. The Democrats rejected most of the Republicans' witness requests, resulting in a horrifically one sided process where the crucial witnesses are denied a platform if their testimony does not support the Democrats' absurd accusations. Notably, they are trying to impeach the president for inquiring about Hunter Biden's activities. Yet they refuse our request to hear from Biden himself. The whistleblower was acknowledged to have a bias against President Trump and his attorney touted a coup against the president and called for his impeachment just weeks after the election. At a prior hearing, Democrats on this committee read out a purely fictitious rendition of the president's phone call with President Zelensky. They clearly found the real conversation to be insufficient for their impeachment narrative, so they just made up a new one. And most egregiously, the staff of the Democrats on this committee had direct discussions with the whistleblower before his or her complaint was submitted to the inspector general. Republicans can't get a full account of these contacts because Democrats broke their promise to have the whistleblower testify to this committee. Democrat members hid these contacts from Republicans and then lied about them to the American people on national television. I've noted before the Democrats have a long habit of accusing Republicans of offenses they themselves are committing. Let's recall, for years they accused the Trump campaign of colluding with Russia when they themselves were colluding with Russia by funding and spreading the Steele dossier which relied on Russian sources. And now they accuse President Trump of malfeasance in Ukraine when they themselves are culpable. The Democrats cooperated in Ukrainian election meddling and they defend Hunter Biden's securing of a lavishly paid position with a corrupt Ukrainian company.
0: All right. So that was Devin Nunes. He's the Republican um, ranking member on the Intelligence Committee. We're going to hear the Democrat here in a second, Adam Schiff. I'm sure you've heard that name before if, if you listen to this show. Just to talk a little bit about what Devin Nunes said before we go to the Democrat, Adam Schiff. Um, you know, it's really interesting because they the Republicans got to submit a witness list and. They basically got close to nobody on that witness list, you know, to be allowed to testify for these hearings. The the way in which Nunes has gone around, uh, has attempted to run these hearings um, is really unprecedented in in the manner in which he is just so open about its political nature and lack of objective truth or, you know, objectiveness in, in what they're going after um, you had, you know, the Republicans did ask for Hunter Biden to testify. They asked for um, the whistleblower himself, the, the person that is, had made this claim in the first place. Those were all denied. Um, and, and even one Democratic leader, you know, tweeted out, get lost. We're not, that's crazy. We're not doing this. They call those sham witnesses. Um, and, and so let's watch how this all plays out. You've heard the Republican. Now let's hear the Democrat. Let's hear Adam Schiff um, and hear what he had to say. Uh, And we're going to hear first, um, let's hear the beginning of what he had to say, and then we'll go to the, the, the second part of that.
2: With that, I now recognize myself to give an opening statement in the impeachment inquiry into Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States. In 2014, Russia invaded the United States ally, Ukraine. To reverse that nation's embrace of the West and to fulfill Vladimir Putin's desire to rebuild a Russian empire. In the following years, 14,000 Ukrainians died as they battled superior Russian forces. Earlier this year, Vladimir Zelensky was elected president of Ukraine on a platform of ending the conflict and tackling corruption. He was a newcomer to politics and immediately sought to establish a relationship with Ukraine's most powerful patron, the United States. The questions presented by this impeachment inquiry are whether President Trump sought to exploit that ally's vulnerability and invite Ukraine's interference in our elections, whether President Trump sought to condition official acts, such as a White House meeting or U.S. military assistance, on Ukraine's willingness to assist with two political investigations that would help his re-election campaign. And if President Trump did either, whether such an abuse of his power is compatible with the office of the presidency. The matter is as simple and as terrible as that. Our answer to these questions will affect not only the future of this presidency, but the future of the presidency itself, and what kind of conduct or misconduct the American people may come to expect from their commander-in-chief. There are few actions as consequential as the impeachment of a president. While the founders did not intend that impeachment be employed for mere differences over policy, they also made impeachment a constitutional process that the Congress must utilize as necessary. The facts in the present inquiry are not seriously contested. Beginning in January of this year, the president's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, pressed Ukrainian authorities right. to
0: investigate... So he's going to go on there. He's going to go after Rudy Giuliani for a while, which is kind of funny because... I wasn't aware that Rudy Giuliani is the one being impeached, but it doesn't. You know, whatever can add to the narrative. So you you hear now we have an idea. That's the case they're making out there, um, and uh, we're going to talk about all this. I want you to hear the rest of this here. Um, now, note that in that first clip there of, of Adam Schiff, he says that um, that what is important here is that they already have the information. The facts are already laid out. Now let's hear what he says towards the end of his speech, which kind of contradicts that.
2: Although we have learned a great deal about these events in the last several weeks, there are still missing pieces. The President has instructed the State Department and other agencies to ignore congressional subpoenas for documents, he has instructed witnesses to defy subpoenas and refuse to appear. And he has suggested that those who do expose wrongdoing should be treated like traitors and spies. These actions will force Congress to consider, as it did with President Nixon, whether Trump's obstruction of the constitutional duties of Congress constitute additional grounds for impeachment. If the President can simply refuse all oversight, particularly in the context of an impeachment proceeding, the balance of power between our two branches of government will be irrevocably altered. That is not what the founders intended. And the prospects for further corruption and abuse of power in this administration or any other will be exponentially increased. This is what we believe the testimony will show, both as to the president's conduct and as to his obstruction of Congress. The issue that we confront is the one posed by the president's acting chief of staff when he challenged Americans to get over it. If we find that the president of the United States abused his power and invited foreign interference in our elections, or if he sought to condition, coerce, extort, or bribe an ally into conducting investigations to aid his reelection campaign and did so by withholding official acts, a White House meeting, or hundreds of millions of dollars of needed military aid, must we simply get over it? Is this what Americans should now expect from their president? If this is not impeachable conduct, what is? Does the oath of office itself, requiring that our laws be faithfully executed, that our president defend a constitution that balances the powers of its branches, setting ambition against ambition so we become no monarchy, still have meaning. These are the questions we must ask and answer, without rancor if we can, without delay regardless, and without party favor, and without prejudice if we are true oh to my our gosh! Give me
0: a break. All right, so if this is not impeachment, uh, you know, worthy of impeachment, and what it is, right there you hear it, you know, he makes it very clear, Adam Schiff, that they're going to impeach the president in the House. There's before these hearings even start. This is purely for public spectacle. Um and you and you see that there. And he says, We're gonna do it without party rancor. Uh no, that's that's not really what would happen. Let's not forget that this is the same Adam Schiff that, you know, started these hearings, as as um Nunes pointed out. He started these hearings by reading a fake version of this phone call. Simply because The phone call, as had been originally written, um, was not written in the tone that he was looking for. So he just read his own. This is the same Adam Schiff that, you know, when the Russia hoax was still going on, when that was their attacks against the president, he said they had circumstantial evidence that makes it worthy of the president being impeached. So this guy, I don't even know, you know, why he's still around, to be honest, because if there's anybody that has lost credibility in Washington to be objective— in in hearings, it's it's Adam Schiff. We've talked about him on the show for months before this impeachment stuff even happened, and it's hilarious. I mean, I was reading today, liberal outlet. You know, uh, I believe what was it? It was is it was, uh, L A. magazine. They put him on the cover, and you know they they are describing Adam Schiff as the man that Democrats Republicans are most afraid of. Adam Schiff is ready to rumble. The day after Republicans had attempted to storm secure hearing room where Adam Schiff was conducting the impeachment inquiry of Donald Trump, the unflappable Los Angeles congressman was seated behind a desk in his DC office looking very much unflapped. (laughs) Uh, Flap is an interesting word to use in this type of journalism, but I guess it's it's original. So, you know, I mean, I think there couldn't be anything further from the truth. I, I frankly... As a Republican, I'm relieved that that Adam Schiff is still around because he makes it a lot easier to to you know go after the Democrats when you have somebody when you go on stage and you just pretend that you are objective, I mean at least own what you are you know there there comes a phrase that people used to describe Donald Trump in the election cycle in 2016 where they they would justify voting for him. they say, you know at least he tells it what what he how it is. And that's what I think this all comes down to. You just heard two very conflicting, two very different um, speeches. One from Adam Nunez, the Republican, or excuse me, one from Devin Nunez, and one from Adam Schiff, the Democrat. I'm getting it all mixed up today. Okay? And some people would say, how do you make, how do you, you know, tell truth between those two statements? Uh, do, you, do you just take a middle approach between the two? And I would say no. Look. There are two very different strategies going on here, and, and we should make this clear. I think what this all comes down to is this idea behind false comforts versus a distressing truth, okay? Adam Schiff um, is going to sell you basically what he is going to – he's going to just sell himself as this high-appointed, objective congressman, um, fulfilling his constitutional duties. Suggesting that it is the Congress's right to basically have access to everything that the executive is doing um, and fails to understand the very statement that he quotes when he says ambition must counteract ambition. What he is saying through these hearings and his actions is that he is allowed to have ambition, but the president the executive branch is not um, you know he complains that the the Republican president has failed to provide the witnesses necessary to make his case. And so the only people that have really come forth from the State Department have been the people that have voluntarily done so. Um, And, you know, uh, we saw from Mike Pompeo, he kind of went against this because basically they made demands to State Department officials and said, you need to testify, you can't have lawyers present. The president cannot have lawyers present. You know, no previous precedent can be followed. Um you have to speak and if you don't then we might come after you with the book of the law we might attack you almost trying to to blackmail members of the state department to testify so we'll talk more about this in the second half today we got more in the impeachment inquiry as well as what's happening outside of that here on american view we'll be right back and after a short break Welcome back to American View on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. I'm Ben Dietrich here, coming to you live from our studios in Hillsdale, Michigan. Make sure to check us out on Facebook, American View WRFH. Follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, American View, where Hillsdale meets the nation, guys. All right, so we want to get back to talking about the first public day of hearings, and I want to continue where we left off. And I I left you with this theme of of false comforts versus distressing truth, stealing a little bit of that from... um, Actually, a Shakespeare class I'm taking right now, and politics over at the college. So, thank you, Dr. Habib, if you're if you're listening out there. Um, look, so it, there's no secret here. Like I said, that the Democrats are not impartial. That you know, we, we all know. I think at this point that there there have certainly been bureaucrats in our government. That bureaucrats can hold political positions. That oftentimes, what we've seen is that they think they know better than the elected leaders, and that can cause frustrations. Um, I've witnessed that firsthand. So how does Adam Schiff successfully convince the American people that the president should be impeached? How does he silence Devin Nunes? And I don't mean literally, because he's tried that, and that doesn't really work. How does he successfully convince people that the Republicans are just, you know, crying with their heads cut off because they're not getting their way. Um, and there's no real reason to what they're saying. How does he win this argument? Here's what he has to do to... Because, you know, there's there's no doubt you're not going to stop being impartial, uh, partial, you know? But he can be, at least give the appearance of being a little bit more fair. I mean, the same thing goes to for CNN. I mean, first of all, the Hunter Biden thing. You cannot just dismiss him as he did in the video we heard earlier. You cannot dismiss... Hunter Biden, and Joe Biden as somebody the president simply investigated or looked into simply because he's a political candidate that he's running against. You can't just leave that there and then not want to hear anything more of it. You you cannot dismiss the fact that you know your own party uh, went to the Russians and went to the Ukrainians for evidence against the president this, the, the, in the previous election cycle. I mean... At the very least, you have to give the appearance that you are entertaining the fact that there could have been corruption committed by Biden, but that that should be handled separately and that the president should still be held to a to a higher bar rather than hold aid over such a thing um, for political reasons. I think you can do the both things at once, and I don't think he would actually, you know, actually fairly – um, commit to to a trial or a hearing. What Hunter Biden had to say, but at least giving in to the Republicans' requests that the, their witnesses be present. They won't do that, though. And um, it's a pride thing. It's also just you know, pure and simple. They're betting on the fact that the truth matters less. The actual truth matters less than what they're trying to sell the American people. And what they want to sell you is is been so carefully orchestrated. And so unashamedly, you know, scripted to this point, I just I just fail to see how how one cannot see this when you, when you have weeks of closed door hearings, selective leaks coming out, and and then the people that you invite to to testify, um, you know. Haven't actually had access to this call. Did not hear the call firsthand, but heard it through a chain, a chain of, of people. It's like, all right, let's find a career diplomat that might have been involved in Ukraine that agrees with what we have to say, and put them on the mic to basically reverberate our talking points. So. They, they have a lot that's not going for them. One more thing that's not working out so well is when you have people like AOC who speaks her mind. <laughs> and you know maybe the only thing worse than Adam Schiff is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez stating what the Republicans have been saying, but with no shame, with no shame. Let's see what she had to say about the hearings yesterday. This is her 6.30 p.m. yesterday afternoon on CNET.
1: We also need to move quite quickly because we're talking about the potential compromise of the 2020 elections. And so this is not just about something that has occurred. This is about preventing a potentially disastrous outcome from
0: occurring next year. So this is about preventing an election in which the American people would reelect Donald Trump to president. Oh, that would be bad. That, that's why this smear campaign is necessary because, you know, we we know better. Uh, it, it's... It's so obvious. I mean, she has no problem saying it, and neither will her supporters. So, you know, if you are going to understand American government properly and the Constitution as it was written, you know, going back to what Adam Schiff had to say about ambition, counteracting ambition, I think you have to accept and be honest about what human nature is and the self interest that people come with to the table. And I think that's why Donald Trump succeeds and why these arguments, I think, ultimately will fall. And if the only reason that they might not fall, the only thing I think they might have going for them is that they, I think, maybe one of their strategies, if they just cry loud enough, if they just cry long enough, if they continue to attack the president and throw a scam after a scam after a scam, they're just hoping the American people will get tired of it and voting them out after us. That's, that's the only reason. Not, not because truth is actually on their side. But, you know, putting that argument aside... They need to be honest about who, you know, the interests that are, co- are coming forth um, with themselves and then also the, the president. And, and, you know, the, the fact of the matter is the Obama administration, um, we still don't know to what extent they were involved, including with foreign government officials to create a dossier that would later be used. To, suggest, to first wiretap the Trump campaign and, you know, second, to be a cloud over his entire presidency. And we've talked about that on the show before, too. Now, outside of the impeachment stuff, and you can continue to follow that, um, and it'll be interesting. Hopefully, they say it will be over soon. We, we see, we are told this should all be over before Christmas. Um, and I think the, the ending that we all suspect is that they will impeach him in the House and will die in the Senate. But we will see where this plays out. So let's let's move away from all of that now. Talk a little bit about American culture. I don't know about you guys, but you know sometimes when the news is so bad, you want to turn on Netflix. You want to watch Amazon Prime, watch the newest TV shows. And there was a new show that came out this week uh, or a second season. So not a new show; it was new last year. Jack Ryan, and it stars the guy from The Office. I can't remember his name, Jim from The Office, if you know who that is. The first season was okay, and the second season, this something hilarious happens, and it goes back to this this idea that we were talking about here, where the left would rather sell you something, you know, a comforting narrative of things that conforms to their narrative, a false truth, so to say, that conforms to the narrative they are selling you than, than be honest about anything that could possibly damage their argument. And this show, the newest season, it's a spy show uh, and, and very similar to like 24 Jack Bauer, if you've ever seen that type of thing. This time, though, that, you know, Jack Ryan, the intelligence official, No longer works for the federal government. He actually is reporting to the House Intelligence Chairman, and or Senate Intelligence, excuse me. And he's acting in foreign countries based on requests from the Senate Intelligence Chairman. That part doesn't really make any sense. The last time I checked, the Constitution doesn't you know give those powers to the Senate. (laughs) But that you know they got to make the Senate look like it has some authority. This is where it gets worse, though. The the new theme of the show is Venezuela, and the Venezuelan people are starving sounds accurate to the way what's happening actually in the real world and they are living under a authoritarian leader but the authoritarian leader is alt-right he's a far right-wing nationalist and and the person the only person that stands a chance at rescuing the venezuelan people is the socialist female young leader rising up against them i mean are you serious I, i i can't this is such an insult to all of the people of Venezuela, all of the Venezuelan immigrants in, in this country, anybody who has been a victim of socialism, to suggest that the, you know, to, to sell to the American people basically a show, which, yes, it sells itself as fiction, but, but clouds, clouds reality by taking the true state of Venezuela by suggesting that the reason for their policies is because of a far right-wing dictator, not socialist policies, which also have been put in place by a dictator, you know? Um, this this socialist, you know, national socialism, having an authoritarian leader that that gives out socialist policies—that's not something new. That, that doesn't go well with the way they teach history in the in left-leaning textbooks. But when you actually look at history and, and how some of the most oppressive regimes have come to power, I think most of them have been communist or socialist-minded. Nazis were the National Socialist Workers Party. Um, and, and, you know, them combined with the Soviet Union and what you saw there, people like Joseph Stalin, I think you would define him as a despotic leader. And they don't want to sell you that on TV, though, so they sell you a false truth, and it's so frustrating. Part of me doesn't want to watch the show. I haven't decided if I'm going to finish it. But shame on them. Shame on them for doing that. Luckily, though, there's one, just one, director out there in Hollywood that is still making good movies, and I, I love him to death. Clint Eastwood, everybody. Clint Eastwood. He's made some great movies in recent years that I think really shed light on optimism and, and, and you know, um, are more honest about. It. I think it provides the movies that Americans want to watch in a time when people are so critical. So when you had movies like The Hurt Locker coming out, movies portraying American soldiers as, you know, not, not anything better than the terrorists that they were fighting, then you had Clint Eastwood directing American Sniper. That did so well in the box office, um, and his his recent movie, The Mule, really liked that as well. He manages to take basically conservative themes and put them into movies and disguise them enough that liberals don't really see what's happening. This one, though, is a little bit more obvious, and uh, you know, I'm interested to see how Democrats react to it. It'll be curious to see. It's called Richard Jewell based on a true story, like most of the movies he's been doing recently. And it's about a man that gets accused of, in the 1990s, of planting a bomb in a park um, because of the fact that basically he wanted to call and be the one to say, hey, there's a bomb in this park. He wanted to be the hero. He was a wannabe cop as the media and the government portrayed him. This is a true story about a man, a white, middle class, Conservative man, not particularly attractive, that basically got torn apart by the FBI and the media. And it was portrayed as, you know, this massive criminal. Framed. And the systems of power were against him. But as the the, 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 um, slogan for this this movie says, you know, um, Richard Jewell will get his truth. Something along those lines. We'll, we'll, we'll get the full one So we're going to hear part of the trailer now Everybody um, you know, It's worth listening to this trailer and Maybe even watching online later on YouTube Let's get a new tape going Alright Richard, here's what we're going to do We need a voice exemplar I want you to say into this phone There's a bomb in Centennial Park You have 30 minutes Richard, you're a national hero now. Thank you, sir. But I was just doing my job. You always look at the guy who found the bomb just like you always look at the guy who found the body.
2: Joel fits
1: the profile of the lone bomber, the frustrated white man who is a police wannabe who
0: seeks to become a hero. We're running it. You're a suspect. You don't talk. I talk. Save. I don't talk. This might be the only way to clear your name. I want you to say, there's a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes. Stop trying to be their best friend. I was raised to respect authority. Authorities are looking to eat you alive. There's a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes. I'm sorry, what? His accusers are two of the most powerful forces in the world. The United States government and the media. I do want to help y'all on law enforcement, too.
1: There is a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes.
0: Did he do it? Richard Jewell is an innocent man. He's a hero. There is a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes. One more time, just a little louder.
2: I report the facts. You've
1: ruined this man's life. There is a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes. Do a couple in a row.
2: My son saved people's lives.
1: There is a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes.
2: She set that bomb.
1: There is a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30
0: minutes.
2: I don't know how to protect
0: you. I think your client is guilty as hell. They want to fry you. You ready to start fighting back? He nods his head. Richard Jewell. It's a new movie. The world will know his name, and they will know the truth. That's the slogan there. Um, and I think it really depicts, takes a story, an antidote, really important and a true story. Um, and it depicts, I think, what the, the struggle of our current generation is and why we have people like Donald Trump. It all kind of comes together when you think about it. When you think about what you watched in this hearing, um, the narratives haven't changed in the, in the hearings, you know, going back to impeachment From what you saw in 2016, looking at what Nunes had to say and what Schiff had to say, now watching this movie, I mean, this is about faith in institutions, I think. The movie, and and even our, our current problems of the day and why this movie, I think, will be so applicable. Do we provide blind faith to the people of our government, to our leaders, Do we provide kind of a blind sort of allegiance in which we assume because they are on positions of power that they should be trusted, that they are impartial, that because they are government bureaucrats that are serving their country, that we should take to truth what they have to say and and not always consider... You know the the other facts, or provide at least, at the very least, a platform for those who are being oppressed or those who are being attacked from speaking their voice. And you know this is not a threat that's unique to America. Um, I think you saw this in a lot of previous institutions in in history, whether it be the kings of, you know, the the kingships that you see in Shakespeare's plays that you know he describes or um, the Romans as well, we cannot offer blind allegiance to institutions. We cannot offer, you know, we cannot sit, basically, and believe in the false comforts simply because they are comforting, simply because ideas are, you know, the the truth is too painful to hear. And, and, and so I think why you see somebody like Donald Trump rise up despite all the things that you might not like about Donald Trump, is because of the fact that he, like I said, calls things as they are or says the things that people for so long have not been willing to say. That, you know, he does not pretend to be impartial. He is clearly partial. He is so obviously trying to support himself in his tweets, you know, it, there is no doubt that he, he's going to defend himself <laughs> until the day that he leaves office. You know, regardless of whether or not he is right or not, because that's what people often tend to do. That's what you do in a court case, and that's what the Democrats are doing. The difference is the Democrats don't want to admit that they are humans too, and that's a fatal flaw. And um, this movie, Richard Jewell, love Clint Eastwood. I think it will show um, really, just what happens when, when you trust, you know, our government, which is really just more people. You know you can't ignore human nature. And that's, that's why I think it's so comical when Adam Schiff quotes the Constitution and quotes the Federalist papers talking about human nature, and yet he misses the big point. So um, we will continue to follow all those stories. Um, you know, one more thing I want to leave you with today before we go. Nicole Ault, she writes for the Wall Street Journal now. She was the editor-in-chief of the Hillsdale Collegian last year. And she wrote an op-ed for um, the Wall Street Journal. It was about what she called the, uh, the cancel culture, the left. Another, you know, misconception, I think, of human nature that, that is really dangerous. Um just a difference, I would say, between the left and the right today. She wrote about Kanye West and how in his music, you know, today that the left really rejects what he's been saying in his music. And the difference that you can see between what he's saying, you know, he sings about Christianity, he sings about redemption. That's really what the Christian faith is ultimately about. You know, Jesus dies for you on the cross. You're redeemed of your sin. And, um, there is such a strong element of forgiveness in Christianity that I think it, it seeps through a lot of American life. It's so another big mistake and big miscalculation that the left employs today. Is that forgiveness and redemption? They they are no longer acceptable, and um, it, it it harms them. I think it's it's one of the the, the fatal flaws of the Me Too movement. And I think it it makes them poor judges in society. People that society, Americans, have consistently deemed no longer capable of you know ruling effectively, ruling responsibly, because their judgment is so clouded. When you lose this element of forgiveness, um, that Christian element of love, and replace it with you know just a strong amount of hatred can be really, really damaging. And I know that all sounds contrasting to the left today that says the Republicans and the, the right or the, the party of hatred and the party of bigotry. I would challenge all those out there that subscribe to um, that narrative, the, the more left-leaning narrative, to stop simply using words like bigot or racist or homophobe and to articulate what you really mean behind those things. Um, so that's that's all we have here. A lot of different ideas today on American View where Hillsdale meets the nation. Be sure to check us out online on Apple Podcasts as well as SoundCloud, American View, WRFH. My name is Ben Dietrich. It's been a pleasure being with you for this hour. Have a great day.